everyone. It's Leslie Ludi. Welcome to the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. And today we are going to talk about something that is really refreshing and life-giving. The subject is the God of miracles. And I want to share with you some of the most powerful ways that God has shown his faithfulness in my life and hopefully help build your faith as I do so. But before we get into those stories, I want to take a moment first to talk about why it's so important to pause and reflect upon God's faithfulness in our lives. I was listening to a message recently by Otto Koning, who's a retired missionary from New Guinea, or he was a missionary to New Guinea. And he was talking about how a non-believer once asked him, when has God done the last miracle for you? This non-believer asked every pastor or missionary or Christian person that he encountered that question. I'm afraid that all too many of us wouldn't have a quick and easy answer to that question. It's not that God isn't working faithfully in our lives or doing miracles for us on a daily basis. It's just that we are often too busy or too self-absorbed to notice and remember all that he has done for us and all that he's continually doing for us. There are so many places in the Old Testament where God commanded his people to lay down a pile of stones or to build up a pile of stones as a memorial of how God had faithfully worked among them, of the significant things that he had done in their lives, that he had spoken to them, and the miracles that he had worked on their behalf. So when they built a pile of stones, it was a way of commemorating or creating a memorial of God's faithfulness and remembering that they serve a God of miracles. It's such a faith builder to continually build those piles of stones in our own lives and remember all the ways that God has shown himself faithful. So whenever we're facing a new challenge or problem, we can look back and remember who he is and that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. One of the best and most practical ways to build those piles of stones in your life every day is to keep a journal and to keep track of the ways, even if they're small answers to prayer or small testimonies of God's faithfulness. Some will be small and some will be big and major, but to write all of those things down and to take time to share and um, testify of how God has done miracles for you with other people, and then also to look back at your life and the milestones and the the significant ways that he's worked. And if you have them all written down in a journal, it's so much easier to reflect back and say, wow, he was faithful, then he'll be faithful now. And when you actually share God's faithfulness in your life with other people, it actually builds their faith stronger. In Philippians, Paul says that we're to meditate on what is true and right and lovely and pure and of good report. And yet Yet so often the trend in modern Christianity is to meditate on our doubt and our disillusionment and our disappointment with God. God didn't come through. God disappointed me. I prayed and nothing happened. And dwelling on those things, which usually are very much the enemy's lies or very uh, much the enemy trying to make us look at our own circumstances, our own failures, our own emotions, and blame those things on God. And it's completely unbiblical to sit around and meditate on our doubt and our disappointment with God. I've even heard of some liberal churches hosting what they call doubt nights, where everybody gets together and just talks about all of the ways in which they're doubting their Christian faith and the ways that they feel God has let them down. Well, that's just cultivating the enemy's mindset, not God's. There's nothing God-honoring about having a doubt night and wallowing in your disillusionment and disappointment. If God seems to have not 
been who he says he is in his word, then the problem, the fault is with us in our perspective and how we're navigating the principles of scripture, not with God, because he is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So on that note, I would like to share just a few quick stories of God's faithfulness in my own life with the hopes of building your faith and reminding you that we do serve a God of miracles. Now, there are too many for me to tell you about in just one podcast, but I just wanted to share a few highlights that might encourage you and help you begin keeping track of the ways that God is answering prayers in your own life. So first of all, I'd like to share with you how God has been so faithful in building and growing and protecting our family. You know, God wrote uh, my love story with Eric in in a beautiful way, and that's detailed in our book, When God Writes Your Love Story. But as we began to bring children into our family, we had to rely on God's faithfulness and wisdom and direction and protection in a whole new way. And I remember when Hudson was a year old, we noticed that we were constantly having to take him to the urgent care and to the ER. He was always getting hurt. He was always falling down and getting these really intense cuts and scrapes and bonks and sprains. And we began to realize that we could cry out to God for protection. We could stand upon the promises in scripture of Psalm 91 that he would not even dash his foot against the stone. So as we begin to cover this area in prayer and trust that God would be a protection for our son, it was incredible because we went from spending probably three or four different trips to the ER or to urgent care in his first six to 12 months of his life to really never having to go at all. It's not that he's never gotten sick or hurt or injured, but it's usually very minor and it doesn't result in a trip to the emergency room. It was just incredible as we began to stand on that promise and cry out to God for protection, how we saw him answer that prayer. And now we have six children and we still sense such a strong protection over our family. Also, when Hudson was a little guy, probably three years old, he had a lot of frustration issues. So if his little toy trains didn't connect together perfectly, he would just get so upset his little face would turn red and he would have a meltdown and he would easily be extremely frustrated. And we begin to realize, you know, this is causing a breach in his life. This is bringing anger into his life, even though he's only three years old. So we begin to pray that God would deliver him from this frustration. We begin to take a stand against it and pray against it. And there was such an amazing miracle that happened as we did that. He began to have more patience. He began to be able to play with his toys without having meltdowns. He began to just be completely delivered from that stronghold of frustration that he had from such a young age. Even difficult things that we've gone through in our family, such as losing our second child to a miscarriage, as we begin to cry out to God, he turned that whole situation that was meant for evil. It was meant to bring despair and sorrow and hopelessness into our lives. But as we cried out to him, as we prayed and said, Lord, will you please turn this whole situation? It was incredible to see what he did. In fact, he used that situation exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. He began to give us a passion for vulnerable children around the world, for the forgotten children around the world, and give us a passion for adoption. He opened the door for us to adopt a little girl from Korea, and she came home almost exactly the time that the baby would have been born, the one that we had lost. So it was such an incredible testimony of God's faithfulness, even in a hard situation. And for Harper's adoption, the, the little girl that we adopted from Korea, who's now 10, one, we began to see so 
many miracles as we took a stand for this child. We had heard horror stories of just adoptions taking years and years and years and roadblocks and obstacles. So we began to pray that her adoption would be the fastest adoption that the agency that we were working with had ever done. And it was incredible through prayer and through standing in faith for her to come home quickly. We saw miracle after miracle. I remember one particular story where we really needed some paperwork, but it was going to take about four weeks to get it. And we were down in this government office asking if there was any way that they could expedite it. And they kept saying no. And then finally, this other woman who was pregnant walked in and heard our our story and said, let me make a phone call. And then she came back in the room and said, you'll have your paper back in a week. It was so amazing because we had covered the whole situation in prayer and we saw God do the impossible. And I think maybe he picked a pregnant woman to help be the answer because she had a, a passion for this baby. She had that maternal instinct going, I guess. But people begin to even say dismal things about Harper's adoption before she came home. People would say, oh, you know, she's going to have all of these emotional problems. And even some of the agency workers who had seen her and worked with her said she's probably going to have extreme stranger anxiety. She won't be able to bond with you right away. She's very attached to her foster mom in Korea. And it was amazing. Her whole entire trip over overseas to come home to us was an incredible, miraculous story. There was a Korean woman on the plane who took her from my mom who went to pick her up from us. Harper was distraught and crying and just in turmoil because she was in such a new environment. She had never been away from her foster mom. And this Korean woman took her and began soothing her and speaking Korean to her and holding her the way that a Korean mother would hold her child. And Harper was just at peace the whole flight home. And it was a very long, like, 18-hour flight. It was so amazing. And the woman later told my mom through a translator, I'm a Christian and I felt God tell me to take care of this baby. So just incredible miracles. And when she came home, we had prayed that she would be instantly at peace with her new family, that she would recognize us immediately as her new parents, her mom and dad, and she would feel that she was truly coming home, not being ripped away from a home, but truly coming home. And it was incredible. Pretty much the moment that she was in our arms, she was at peace. She was smiling. She totally knew that she was where she was supposed to be. And the next day when a a Korean um, adoption agency worker came to check on her, Harper was smiling. She was laughing. She was cuddling with us. And this worker said, I have no idea idea why they flagged her file as possibly having stranger anxiety. This child knows, she knows who her parents are. And so just to see God's miracles time and time and time again through Harper's adoption. And I often say, you know, if you feel like you're not seeing enough of God's miracles in your life, begin standing for these children around the world that are in, and in right here in our own community, even foster care children or children that are in need, begin standing and advocating for them and you will begin to see God's miracles in your life. And as we continue to say, Lord, we're opening our home to even more children. I remember being just miraculously introduced to a young woman in our church. This was when Harper was not quite two years old. And this young woman was pregnant unexpectedly, looking for a family for her unborn child. And it was one of those just God stories from the very beginning. But again, we didn't know how things were going to work out. There were 
there were just a lot of obstacles to overcome in that whole situation. But I remember sitting in the hospital as as he was being born, as this young woman was in labor and this uh, little boy was being born and just wrestling in prayer for his life. And I also had found out that I was pregnant with um, our daughter. So I had this new child coming any moment into our family and this new life forming within me. And the enemy was t- attacking me so much of, you know, what if you have another miscarriage and what if this adoption doesn't go through and what if you're left, you know, desolate and you don't have either one of these children and just sitting in that hospital and just writing out prayers to God in my journal, crying out to him for victory for these both of these children. And there were different circumstances with the adoption that really looked like huge obstacles, but God was so faithful as we prayed, as we stood on his promises. And that little boy came home a few days later. It was a beautiful story. And seven months later, a beautiful little girl was born. And so we had um, two children seven months apart. But to see God's hand and answered prayer, even during the pregnancy, when different symptoms or alarming things would happen, during the pregnancy, I would just immediately take those things to God. And he sustained that pregnancy uh, every single time, every single time he gave me the reassurance that he was the one holding and protecting this life. And then a few years later, being led to adopt two toddlers from Haiti, Reese and Lily, who are now five years old. Now, this adoption was probably the hardest experience of my life, the hardest thing that I have ever walked through, because there was extreme corruption in this adoption. And on both sides of the equation, both sides of, you know, the Haitian side of things and the American side that we were working with, there was so much corruption and deception going on. And as the adoption progressed, there were literally impossible roadblocks standing in our way. And I felt many times just the temptation to walk away, to not fight for it anymore. But there were two lives at stake and God would just not let me say no and walk away. And so there was one moment in the adoption when the whole thing seemed very impossible, but we needed the approval of a certain judge in Haiti for it to keep moving forward and not have to start all the way back over. Because this was supposed to be a quick adoption, but it went on for 29 months. It dragged on and on and on. But we had reached one point where it all rested on what this one judge said. And we were just crying out to God that whole day, asking for favor. And when the report came back, the judge had said yes. He had given us a favorable ruling. And Reese and Lily were only about two or a little over two at the time. And they were told, you know, this was good news. The judge said yes. And they were running around the house in Hades yelling, God said yes. God said yes. That was the way they interpreted it. And really, it was right because God was the one working these miracles for us. And we have always seen the chapter uh, Job 29 in the Bible is very significant for our family because it talks about the qualities that Job had, how how he broke the jaws of the evildoer and plucked the spoil out of his teeth and made the widow's heart to sing for joy and clothed the fatherless and all of these things that we have such a, a passion and a vision for, for our family. And so Job 29 was something that we were standing firm on for the whole adoption for Reese and Lily. And the day that we found out that they were finally able to come home It was the 29th day of the 29th month that we had started the adoption. So even little ways that God was hallmarking it with his faithfulness. It was so incredible. 
Those are a few highlights of how God has been faithful in our family. I could share many, many more. God has also been so faithful in building and providing for our ministry. About 10 years ago, Eric and I felt strongly that we were supposed to pray for a college campus that was in the town that we lived, and we wanted to begin a discipleship ministry. We had been traveling and speaking, but we felt that it was time to move into training and discipling and equipping people on a deeper level than just traveling and speaking. And so we had no money for this campus. It was totally impossible to get this campus. In fact, the campus was not even for sale at the time. We began to pray and to cry out to God, and we began to see him move mountains out of the way. We wrestled in prayer for about two years for this campus. So many times it looked like There was no way we could get it. It had been sold to somebody else or it wasn't for sale or we didn't have the money or we had the money, but then the money that was promised never came in. And so that fell through. It was just a wrestling match. And we had in faith started to promote the fact that we were going to start a discipleship training ministry at a certain time, but we didn't even have access to the full campus. So we had all of these students registered for our summer program and we only had access to a couple of the dorms, but not the buildings that we needed to be able to hold our classes every day and we had people on our board and people in our life saying you know you better figure out like are you going to get a big tent and hold your classes outside and on the lawn because you're not going to have access to the rest of the campus but the day before our first students arrived we signed the papers and God provided access to the entire campus so there are many more stories um, ministry breakthroughs and God's provision and God's sustaining grace that I could share so many times where we didn't feel like we had enough money in the bank to pay our bills or to pay our staff and miraculously supernaturally God provided exactly what we need down to the last dollar down to the last penny right in the nick of time as we began to pray and cry out to him and trust that he is faithful so these are just a few quick little highlights that show that God has interest in the details of our daily lives that we don't need to always just problem solve and figure things out on our own but that he is ready to be a God of miracles in our lives if we will trust him, if we will cry out to him and say, Lord, you are faithful. You've been faithful all throughout my life and you'll continue to be faithful. And I'm going to put my hope in you instead of just focus on my doubt and my disillusionment. As we begin to think of the ways that God has worked in our lives, think of the ways that he has powerfully worked in the lives of other people, we begin to recognize what a mighty God we serve and our doubt is replaced by faith. So some final thoughts that I want to share with you. If you are wondering whether God will be faithful to you today, I encourage you to take a moment to reflect back on the ways, both big and small, that you've seen him work in your life and take care of you, provide for you, and answer your prayers. And I encourage you to write down those piles of stone moments in your life and meditate on them often. And remember that we serve a God of miracles. The same God who parted the Red Sea is the one that we can call on each moment of every day. He is faithful and true. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to take this message deeper in your life, I encourage you to join us for our Fearless Living course, which is happening right now. You can register at setapartgirl.com. And this is an online course where every week there's a new video teaching series that I will give you a comprehensive course notebook, um, Q&A simulcasts, and really biblical principles to overcome anxiety and begin living fearlessly and courageously. So visit setapartgirl.com for more details. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.